The scripture reading for today's lesson will come from Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Four thousand fifty six. Four zero five six. Now that number may not strike you as very important, but then divide it by fifty two, the number of weeks that there are in a year, and you get seventy eight. Seventy-eight is the average lifespan of an American. Imagine being able to take one of those weeks and for the most part do nothing except think about God and who He is and what He's like. Because of our partnership with Bear Valley, that's exactly what happened last week. This partnership has been going on for over five years now. And in this one class alone, approximately a hundred students have been able to devote an entire week of their life to the study of God, who He is, and what He's like. To the best of my knowledge, there is not another preacher school among us that devotes the equivalent of a full quarter to the Godhead. There will be a class or two, maybe under the theme, Great Doctrine of the Bible, Great Teachings of Scripture. But this is part of the partnership that we've had with Bear Valley Bible Institute over the years. A couple of years ago, a young man and his wife who were in the school at Bear Valley sat in that class. She talked to her mom and dad about the class. And this past week, they drove the parents 18 hours one way to hear about God and who He is and what He's like all week. The Dean of Academics at Bear Valley Bible Institute sat through the class the entire week even though he has taught the course himself several times. The partnership that we have with our missionaries and with the schools that we help support, I can assure you is far more far-reaching than any of us ever thought. Because God is involved in the work that we're doing.
The gospel in the book of Acts, if you thought that the gospel in the gospel accounts that I talked about last Sunday morning was an ambitious undertaking, yes, it's still an ambitious undertaking to look at the gospel in the book of Acts, even though we're focusing only on one book. As we deal with the gospel in the book of Acts, remember these truths, best News ever. That is the gospel. Best news ever. Because of the salvation God makes possible in Jesus Christ to those who come to Him in love and faith. Best news ever. Not just that, but this gospel is good news for the world This is really accentuated in the book of Acts. When Jesus tells the apostles, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Acts 1 and verse 8. The good news, the best news ever is meant to be taken to the world and to have an impact on all cultures, on all races, On all peoples. It's just too good a news for it not. And here's another thing to consider. When we talk about salvation in the Bible, when we talk about salvation and deliverance, when we talk about forgiveness or remission of sins, more may be involved than just one passage would say. For example, God's love There are many passages that talk about God's love and how crucial it is to our being right with God. However, more may be involved elsewhere in the Bible. But keep that as a mental note because nothing less is going to be involved. God's love is still going to be involved everywhere else we go because of the harmony of the New Testament. It's as if you have a symphony composed of different people playing different instruments and they all are singing Redemption's song in Christ. Now let's look at four areas to focus when we look at the gospel in the book of Acts. First of all, focus on the message proclaimed. Focus on the message proclaimed. I'd like for you to open your Bibles just to the book of Acts and Acts chapter 8. Just as last Sunday morning, every reference I gave you would come from the gospel accounts. This morning, every reference I give concerning the gospel will come from the book of Acts. The gospel in the book of Acts. Look, if you will, at Acts 8 and verse 4. A time of persecution arises in the church. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And it says that the church was scattered. Acts 8, 4 says they went everywhere preaching the word. If you mark in your Bibles, mark that expression. You see, to proclaim the gospel is to proclaim the word, the word of God. Go down to the very next verse, Acts 8, verse 5. Acts 8, verse 5. Philip would find himself in Samaria. 
And there it says he preached or proclaimed the Christ. Do you see that? Mark that in your Bibles. What does it mean to really proclaim the gospel? It means to preach the Word of God. It means to proclaim Christ. He's the King. He's the Anointed One. He's the Savior of all the world. Keep going. Here's the passage that Kirk read for us in our Scripture reading just a few moments ago. Acts 8 and verse 12. As Philip preached to the Samaritans, he preached things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Do you see that market? To preach the gospel is to preach the word. To proclaim the gospel is to proclaim Christ. To proclaim the good news, the best news ever, is to proclaim the kingdom of God and the name, the authority and beauty of the name of Christ. Do you see that? Go to verse 14, same chapter, still Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, when they heard that those in Samaria had received the Word of God. The Word of God. That's what it's all about, to proclaim the message. The best news ever, the glorious news of what God has done in Christ. Go to Acts 8.25. Acts 8 and the verse is 25. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. These are all different ways, friends, of speaking of the same thing. The message of God wherein we can be saved or delivered from our sins by the love of God through Jesus. Now look, if you will, verse 35. Verse 35, and if you're counting, there's going to be no less than seven passages in Acts chapter 8 that are all emphasizing the message that is to be proclaimed. And speaking of it in slightly different ways. Acts 8, 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, this is with the Ethiopian treasurer, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. What's the gospel, the good news about Jesus? Go to the last verse of the chapter, Acts 8 and verse 40. Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. If we look at the first reference in Acts 8 to the message, it's the Word. If we look at the last reference in Acts 8, there in verse 40, it is the gospel. To preach the Word, to preach the Christ, to proclaim the Christ that He is the Lord and Savior, that He is the Messiah, the King, is to proclaim the best news ever. That is the focus of Acts. Getting this message to the Jews and to the Gentiles. That's the focus of this 28-chapter book. Now, having dealt with let's focus 
on the message. Let's focus on the results. Let's focus on the results. And while there are a number of interchangeable terms used, words used, just like there's a number of interchangeable words used for the message, let's focus on two of them. Are you ready? Let's focus on the word saved or salvation and the word forgiveness or remission. Save or deliver forgiveness or remission. Just in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 2. Let's start looking at saved or delivered. Acts 2, notice verse 21. Acts 2, verse 21. And it shall be that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, mark it, shall be saved. From that we can reasonably conclude that one cannot be saved without calling on the Lord. But we need to let the Scriptures identify what is meant by calling on the name of the Lord and not simply think that it means saying Lord, Lord or something to that effect. Right? Acts 2 and verse 40. Save yourselves from this wicked or untoward generation. Whatever is involved in salvation by the love of God in Christ, whatever is involved in calling on the name of the Lord also involves our responding to God. Saving ourselves. Now that too needs to be understood in light of what the New Testament says. But that's there. A response from you and me is required to what God has done in Christ. That's the idea. Acts 2.47 And the Lord added those who were being saved. That tells me that at the time... One responds in calling on the name of the Lord. The Lord adds that person to his family. That person makes him a citizen of his kingdom. See what I'm saying? Now turn to Acts 4 verse 12. Acts 4 verse 12. There is salvation in no other. For there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. This passage unequivocally, unapologetically, unashamedly says that Jesus Christ is the only one in whom salvation can be found. A person has to believe that there's no other way that salvation can be found. Rescue and deliverance. 
except through Jesus and his power. Turn to Acts 11. Look at verses 14 through 16. Acts 11, 14 through 16. Acts 11, 14 through 16. In this passage, you will speak unto them words. Words. Words that are absolutely crucial in being saved. See Acts chapter 8 and seven ways of describing it. Acts 15 verse 11. Acts 15 verse 11. Acts 15 has to do with the controversy concerning the Judaizing teachers. And Acts 15 and verse 11, despite the fact that there were people who were wanting to add things to the gospel in the first century, belief plus baptism plus circumcision plus various aspects of observing the Old Testament law is what they wanted to do. The apostles and the leaders of the church say we are saved by grace. See it? And we cannot impose any rules that the gospel of Jesus does not. Y'all having fun yet? Acts 16, 30 and 31. Kyle preached a great sermon just in the Lord's Supper meditation. But the gospel in the book of Acts is one powerful sermon that really consists of a number of sermons when you read the book itself. Acts 16, 30 and 31. The Philippian jailer is told by Paul, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your house. Verse 31. In response to the question, What shall I do to be saved? Now, again, something must be done by us to be saved. We must hold up the grace of God, Acts 15. We must hold up Jesus Christ, Acts 4.12. But something must be done by way of response by us to be saved. The other word is forgiveness or remission. Follow along with me. Acts 2.38 Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You want forgiveness, faith, repentance, and baptism are prior to forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Spirit. Acts 2.38 Again, as we look at this idea of forgiveness, turn to another passage. Turn with me to Acts 26 and verse 18. Acts 26 and verse 18. In this passage, Paul recounts his conversion and what the Lord had to say to him. And Paul would have as his mission as an apostle... 
the responsibility of through the gospel proclamation turning people from darkness to light. From Satan to Jesus. To forgiveness of sin in His name and to being among the sanctified by faith in Him. You got it? Turn, if you will, to Acts 13, 38, and 39. Acts 13, 38, and 39. I'll just mention these passages because there's other passages in Acts regarding salvation and deliverance, others concerning forgiveness, remission, but this should suffice. Acts 13, 38, and 39. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him, Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. What we have in Jesus and the gospel is far, far better than what the Jews had in the Old Testament. That is what I learn from passages like these. So first of all, focus on the message of the gospel. Secondly, focus on the results of the gospel. And I'm going to tell you, we are so practical in other areas of life. Why not our relationship with God? We would like to hear some good news sometimes. Amen. Best news ever in the message. We would like to have rescue, deliverance, salvation, remission. The best results ever. Now, focus on the beginning. Focus on the beginning, number three. If we are going to see the greatness of the gospel in the book of Acts... Focus on the message of the gospel. Focus on the results of the gospel. Then focus on the beginning of the gospel. I invite your attention to Acts 2. Because in Acts 2 we have a template, if you will. As the gospel is being proclaimed. A template that will characterize the message proclaimed, the results that are given that we've already been talking about due to the love of God and the grace of God being extended in the sacrificial death of Jesus. Now what I'd like for you to do is pick up with me at about verse 21. Hear, listen, men of Israel. The message of God is being proclaimed Listen up. If you want to be able to enjoy its results, you need to listen to the message's proclamation so you will know how to properly respond to God's love and grace in Jesus. Then it talks about Jesus of Nazareth. Listen up. As I speak to you of Jesus of Nazareth. He doesn't tell them what to do before he tells them what God did. 
it is very wise of us to do Bible things in Bible ways and not tell people what they need to do until we first tell them what God did. <laughs> Amen? Maybe sometimes in the Lord's church, we're so quick to tell people what they need to do, they don't even have real understanding of the love of God and what he's done in Christ Jesus for us. Peter tells these people in Acts 2 that, and we would be wise to as well. Notice that he deals with gospel events. In verses 22 through 36, he deals with gospel events. What do you mean by that, Mike? Here's exactly what I mean. He deals with the life and ministry of Jesus, a man approved of God by miracle signs and wonders, which he did among you. He deals with the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus in this section. He deals with the life and ministry and the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus. If we are going to accurately convey the gospel to others, they need to know what God in His love and grace has done in Christ. Next, gospel events. Secondly, gospel promises. Gospel promises. Two of these are seen in Acts 2.38. What are the gospel promises seen in Acts 2.38? Forgiveness of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise of God concerning what He's done through Jesus and Christ and, and His Christ, when we respond properly results in the forgiveness of sin and our reception of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Third, gospel attestation, gospel witnesses. This really needs to come out when the gospel is accurately portrayed. What do I mean by gospel witnesses or gospel attestation? This sermon is full of the Old Testament and what it had to say about Jesus. Psalm 110, 1 through 4. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. Joel 2, 28 through 32. It is amazing how much of this sermon is based upon the Old Testament as it pointed to Jesus. But that's not all. It is based on the testimony, the witness of the apostles. After all, they're the ones who right now are miraculously speaking in languages that they had never studied. They are the ones who are witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we are properly proclaiming the message of God, we are referring to what the Old Testament says concerning Jesus and salvation and what the apostles say, apostolic testimony to the same fact. There's not enough Bible in some sermons and Bible classes to fill up a thimble. Maybe I should use a different word but a thimble from sewing those little things you kind of use on your finger, keep from picking, you know, poking yourself with a with with needle. Gospel witnesses. Fourth, 
In this sermon we see gospel conditions. When the people ask in verse 37, having been pricked in their hearts, what shall we do? What shall we do? They are told two things. Their belief, their faith is implied because their hearts were touched. He tells them, repent and be baptized. I say to you that no one really proclaims the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ preaches the word who neglects to preach repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Finally, in this passage, Acts 2, we see gospel life, L-I-F-E. What a fascinating, sweeping passage Acts 2 is. Because when you look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, gospel living involves continuing steadfastly. Gospel living includes not only continuing, but learning the apostles' doctrine. Verse 42. Third, gospel living involves loving, fellowship. Loving God and loving others. Loving others who are part of God's family. Others who are citizens in God's kingdom. See that in Acts 2? Fourth, gospel living involves worshiping and serving the breaking of bread and prayers. Fifth, gospel living involves being all filled filled with awe concerning who God is and what God has done in Christ and what God continues to do. Just as there was awe in the early church by the miracles done by the hands of the apostles through the Holy Spirit, there ought to be awe for God and who He is and what He's done in Christ. The early church was Showing gospel life by giving. Helping those who were in need. Early church showed gospel life that they really embraced the message and it was part of their heart and mind and and very soul. By praising. Praising God. And then notice... Having favor, having a sense of graciousness. The early church had a positive influence in the early days. Praising God and having favor with all the people. They're so gracious. They're winsome. Those people... There's something lovely about them. There's a spirit that's, that's kind of contagious with them. Oh, to be a church that embraces the message like that.
number four. You come back tonight, I'll give it to you. How's that? Come back tonight, I'll give it to you. It'll throw my sermons off, but you know when I plan my sermons a year ahead of time, I always tell the elders, subject to change by the will of God or otherwise. I've preached my 35 minutes. We'll stop here because it's a good place to stop. I don't have to extend the invitation because the invitation has been extended when we look at the gospel in the book of Acts. Respond to the love and to the grace of God in Jesus through faith and repentance and baptism so your sins can be forgiven and so you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit and so you can be added to the church that Jesus bought with his own blood. Acts 20 and 28, you can be part of his family. Why not now? Interestingly enough, think about this. In the book of Acts, there is not some delay between when one hears the gospel and when one responds. As a matter of fact, the longest delay is that of three days. And it's Paul, and he's miserable. Don't delay responding to the best news ever. Let us stand and sing.